Podcast listeners, Al Martin here. Yes, this is part two. If you didn't hear part one of Bob McDonald's transformation with IBM, you should take a look at it. It was last week. Uh, he talks about a digital transformation, what the definition is, changing culture, solving the data problem. I think you'll find it useful. Thanks for listening. See you. Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. So let's talk about workflows. Tell me what workflows, or how do you, how do you assess workflows? How do you freaking get started? I guess the question. When you got 200 tools plus 300, whatever you want to call it, you got a freaking ton of workflows. Most of them don't even work together. Where do you start and how do you start breaking this down manageable? Particularly, how long did it take you to do the CRM transformation? You say nine months, really? Something well, for, like that? for the Pratt and Portal, we, we literally took a, um, a greenfield approach. Just took a blank piece of paper and said, from an ecosystem perspective, how do partners work with IBM? What is the, the basic, simple ways that we want to do business with our partners? And allowed the people to work from a design thinking getting input from partners on how, they, how, what, how simple can we really get, and then plumbing that into the new platform to drive the digital, trans, the digital transformation uh, workflows that I described to you earlier. So it, in most cases, Al, it just requires stepping back and not being encumbered by the legacy processes, but being willing to take a completely blank piece of paper and saying, don't tell me how it is, tell me how it should be and can be. And then bringing that back to the business, adjusting it where appropriate, and then uh, putting that into the platform. And our design, you have to have design teams. You have to have good designers who can help you through that process. Because as you, as you well know, design is a profession that is, if you get it right at the beginning, you can accelerate that transformation effort that you're looking for. Great answer, by the way. All right. So tell me about the management system. I know you have a playbook yeah. out there. Um, I can't believe this would be a full democracy or it'd be a, a committee that, that gets nothing done. So what's the management system look like? Well, first of all, um, the management system, when you're starting out the transformation and you're describing that why that I, I mentioned earlier, you need to get senior leaders to who are going to sponsor you, that are going to agree with you and have your back when you're going forward to do all that transformation and break down the silos, break down the vertical thinking, et cetera. So we are fortunate that whether it be Arvind or Jim Kirk, uh, Jim Cavanaugh or Rob Thomas, Joanne Wright, when we present the business case for what we're trying to do through the transformations and we give them that and they get on board, they repeatedly are making mention of what's going on. That's, that's the first step in the, in the management system. Then you bring all the stakeholders, in, in, whether it be support leaders or sales leaders or ecosystem leaders, as it, the three that I've described here, here, bring them onto the process, have a set of reviews with them, but you also have to, discuss, you have to give decision rights. So you may remember in the support days um, of the support transformation, you know, yes, there were 19 support leaders from across IBM, but at the end of the day, when everybody was going vertical, when we couldn't get to consensus, then I had the decision rights. I had to be careful not to exercise that too heavily because you guys would have just walked away. So you try to build the consensus, but when you just can't get there, someone has to be given the, the 
decision rights to make the call so we can move on. And then you just, again, keep listening for feedback. What did we do right? What didn't we keep adjusting? And then finally, have a regular set of cadence reviews. And I hate to use the term because I don't like it either. But you do need to regularly meet with the stakeholders, then the senior leaders, and then you know, make that sort of rinse and repeat approach going every month so that you can keep making progress and demonstrate that you're, you're, you're going to get there. So that when you do a sales transformation of CRM in 12 months across the 107 countries and 26,000 people, it can't be, you know, we have long durations of debate. Somebody has to make some calls and you need to have a manager that are going to stand behind you when you make those decisions. You mentioned, um, I get totally get the blank piece of paper. Um, that's usually the path that I take because I, the other path just take a lifetime but um and you talked about design thinking which is huge at ibm which i would encourage anybody listening that doesn't have formal design i mean you really should think about that because design thinking done right works extremely well but do you have design principles that you stick to when you're driving transformation absolutely i mean and you get those design you put those design principles out um for early on for, for discussion and input. I mean, you can't mandate them. Um, that's where you don't get the collaboration going, but you do set boundaries of here's a, here are some proposed design principles, um, adjust them, give a time limit as to how quickly we're going to agree. And it has to be a short duration. I, one of the things I learned from you is, Hey, give us a timeline for what, how, how quickly we need to go. So let's get the design principles agreed upon within a week, as an example. Um, and then everybody, it's, it's not open to debate any longer. And it, you may not have gotten everything you wanted, but we do need to get everybody on board. So we do, and we publish them. And the one thing that I've learned, and I didn't do this at the beginning, but now when I'm doing transformation projects, you, you state your why in every single, every single update, whether with any level of, here's why, remind everybody, here's why. Second page, here are the agreed upon design principles, and then you start to give your update. So when you're giving the update, you can point back to the why, you can point back to the design principles, and, and it, it really is a guide, and it allows you to keep going. I was going to ask you more about your method, but you may have explained the method in much of what you discussed, unless there was anything I missed. So I guess the question is, is there anything else to, to mention around the method and I guess the second part of that question is, what are the, the biggest derailment factors for these kind of transformations? One of the biggest derailment factors that I'll just, I'll just stick with the one is pocket vetoes. Um, they are killers. Pocket veto. Yep. So when you get you get people who claim they're in a they're in a review and they agree that <laughs> they're going to they're going to buy in, but then they go they leave the meeting and they're tripping behind the scenes and they're undermining what we thought we just had agreement on. So you have to call out pocket vetoes. You have to you have to really get people to be forthcoming and you know declare themselves. They may not get what they want, but don't be behind the scenes doing it because that actually compromises what you're trying to get to. It How works. often do you find I'm different is actually I'm different? Uh, less than five percent of the time. So you do find it, but it's less than five percent of the time. Yeah, and, and the biggest example was. We made a huge mistake of assuming that technology and consulting were the same, and we had to we had to accept the fact that we made some errors for both parts of the company, and we had to adjust. 
were you able to reconcile quickly? Okay, this was back a ways, but no, it, we, we reconciled quickly. It took us a while to recover, um, but we got reconciliation in terms of agreement on what we had to do. It just took, then you had to plumb it into the process in the system. In terms of maybe the mo- most important question perhaps here is, how do you find, su- how do you define success? When do you know that you're successful? Because many of these transformations are not overnight. And you got a lot of naysayers. It depends how long it goes. How do you set that expectation, define success, raise your hand when you've hit a hurdle and something's going to cause a problem versus celebrate when you think you've hit it without annoying some of the people that think you haven't? I mean, where does the line of distinction? Well, a lot of it is, you know, how are you doing against your business commitment or KPIs? So there's that part of it. Um, also, then there's the question of how sustainable are you? De- are you demonstrating that what you, what you, the transformational ways of working are taking hold? Can you can you prove that people are not regressing and going back to old ways? Um, and then lastly, we we do regular roundtables. We're getting feedback from different sources, um, but the the KPIs are real. Um, and the KPIs have to be both quantitative and qualitative. So from a support standpoint, as an example, and now you, you were a part of this, you know, you know what I'm about to say is factual. You know, we had to commit to NPS score improvements. We had to, we had to commit to um, revenue growth from the support transformation. And we had to commit to uh, operational efficiency or, the, or savings. And it was in that order. It was not the opposite. In the time that you and the support leaders were driving it, in the first three years of the transformation, NPS grow, grew by 25 points. Revenue growth that could be linked directly to the support transformation was over $400 million. And operational savings was over $430 million. You will not find another business case in any industry that has end, those sort of oftentimes competing metrics. You will not find another example of that in any industry. So that's awesome. That's like a mic drop moment. Awesome. So you set KPIs, you check yourself along the way. Yep. Make sure you're adhering to uh, those, those KPIs. Of course, is there anything that about transformation? that we may have missed that you wanted to say? I got a couple more questions for you as we wrap up, but anything that I didn't get into that you wish I would have? No, I think we hit the, the high points. I, I just remind myself all the time, don't micromanage the how. Don't mic- let, let the people who have signed up to, to transform the company, commit to the why, commit to the what, and then get out of the way that, for the how, because they will do it. and. We've been, we're real fortunate at IBM that we have brilliant people that want to do that. But when you micromanage the how, you will actually compromise your opportunity. If, if like if I'm listening out there and I want to learn about more about IBM transformation, is there a place you can go? Um, I don't know the fine answer if there's not. Maybe it's consulting. I don't, I don't know if I have a site that I can point to. Um, I, I will tell you if somebody wants to find me on LinkedIn. They can feel free to do that. Um, okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. People, I've had more than enough discussions like this on a couple of other po- podcasts where I had people reach out on, on LinkedIn, which is fine. And then I'll look for a site. I don't know if I can find one right now. So. All right. I got a few more and then we'll wrap up. 
What's the most important lesson that you've learned through all these transformations? Biggest lesson, maybe you don't even really want to share, but we're going to try to pull it out of you. Something that just, uh, okay, let me tell you this one. I, I hate to belabor it, but I think I grossly underinvested in change management by a factor of probably eight to 10. And it, I, I'm reminded of that by my team all the time. <laughs> However, in your defense, I would imagine, like all of us, you're under a time pressure. How much influence can you do? At some point, you say, we're going. We, we're going to the moon. I know some of you think we want to go to Mars. We've decided we're going to the moon. And by yeah. God, we got to get started right now. I mean, there is a fine line, right? There is. Um, but also, when you start to see some of the regressions, the team will say, well, we could have, we could have addressed that through change management. But what they've, they've done incredibly in creative ways of OCM, which is they've built things like change leader networks around the world. People who are not dedicated to transformation, but who want to jump in. And that was a sort of a supplemental effort of change management, which has worked wonders. But the, the biggest thing goes back to the very first question you asked me on this podcast, which is we, we always hear about change management and culture and operational parts of change management, not getting attention. And you're right. But when you have the senior leaders backing you and you have people that want to do the work, you just have to keep plowing forward. It's like herding cats, just to be clear. It is like herding cats. And when they escape, you got to find a way to bring them back into the corral. <laughs> I was going to say something, but I'm not going to say it. That's, good. that's awesome. That's a good answer. Very good answer. I got a tough question for you. It's one of my favorite questions. We can erase it if, 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 if you don't like it, but this is it. Tell me something that is true that no, almost nobody agrees with you on. The New England Patriots are the best team in football and do not cheat. <laughs> I'm going to let that one, I'll let that one go because it's so funny. Because <laughs> you know nobody's going to agree with you on that. Now I'll get, now I'll get quick. I don't now even I'll think get, you agree. Now I'll get pings on at LinkedIn. That one will get me yeah, a contact. You just me. did it. Good luck to your, you have no free time anymore. Serves you right. <laughs> Speaking of free time, what do you do these days in your free time? What do you work towards? Well, I'm, uh, I've got one son just got married, so I'm, Spending some time with him as he and his wife build up a new house. Um, my wife and I just spend a lot of time up on a lake and on jet skis and having fun tooling around the water. And, you know, I'm just, I love what I'm doing here. So when I'm not here, I'm just enjoying time with my family. I just got a surfboat. It's been fun. We won't, we won't get into, don't, don't even ask me about my water skiing escapade. <laughs> Good topic for another day. Who's your number one role model? Nobody related to you. Uh, guy by the name Bob Biamonte. Bob Biamonte. All right. Why? Tell me. Well, professionally, he was really the best that I ever worked with. Um, so, and I love working with the guy. He's a good guy. In my personal life, the guy by the name of Tom Forster. He's like a, he's a relative of mine that uh, if I can be half the man that he's in, that he is, I'm feeling really good. Yeah, but what, what, so tell me what, what makes that characterization true for you? What does he do differently? He is the most incredible listener um, I know. And he just has a way of saying, you know what? Let's, let's really just take an object, take a, take a pause, take a step back and uh, 
draw the emotion out and move forward from there. I just, I mean, he's a coach that reframes, reframes the, he's he's an amazing, I mean, I, you're probably looking for some famous name. I'm not going to give you a famous, these are just two people that I really like. That's why I asked. Those are all, you don't need famous names. In fact, most of mine are not famous either. Last question, book you recommend. I know you've been reading transformation books, you know, so, you know, something that you'd say, Hey, you know, this is the one that'll, that'll help you along your way. It could be anything. I read many of them. So it depends I still, on the day I still go back to uh, customer success management as a foundational one that came out of, um, Oh, uh, person from Gainsight wrote it. I can't remember the name. Uh, Nick, Nick Meta wrote it from customer success management. It's a great book. It's a great book. Very good. I like it. Look, what I've known about you, Bob, is you always put the client first. That's one thing we absolutely have in common. I mean, I think that's the recipe for for success, or that's the cheat, but it's really not that difficult in some sense. I mean, it yeah. can be difficult, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for being here. This is fantastic. Thank you. It was a great I discussion. Think- See, it turned out. There's not too much ribbon. We, we got through it. <laughs> and you cool. stared at the, the chief's helmet for, what, a good hour. This is awesome. Yeah, I have, I have now I have to go see my optometrist. I'll talk to you soon. You take care. <laughs> All right, bud. Thank brother. you so much. See All you. Right, take care. Bye-bye.